Welcome to Cross Communities Podcast. We're glad you're here to listen today. We would love to connect with you today for listening to our podcast. Please fill out a connect card on our website at c3naz.net. You can also support the ministries of Cross Community by giving online on our website. We hope that today's message will strengthen your faith and help you to love God and people more. Go ahead and get your Bibles out, however you get those, in app form or book form. And I want to encourage you just to have those ready. We're going to do a little bit of prep, but we are right here in the second of three parts of this series. The series is called You Are Here. And we're looking at some of the ways that God uses things to orient our hearts towards Jesus. And so last week we looked at Scripture and, uh, and we took up a challenge. We saw how Scripture is, the, the Holy Spirit uses Scripture to focus our hearts on God. And I called you to a challenge to memorize Philippians 2, 1 through 13. Maybe it was on my brain. That's maybe why I included it in, in our prayer time. But I want to encourage you. How many of you are trying? You've taken up the challenge. You're going to try and memorize this passage. Go ahead. Show of hands. Come on. Some more of you. All right. Come on. Some more of you. Kids can do this. Teens can do this. Put it on cards. Get it. A little bit of time here and there. I want to challenge you. We're going to try and figure out a way how we can help people to enter this challenge and see if they can complete it. Because I want to celebrate that. It's important that we hide God's Word in our hearts that we might not sin against Him, that we might live into what He is calling us to, that great adventure. And so I encourage you to keep doing that. But we're looking at three things. Last week we looked at Scripture, and we have worship and Christian living that we're going to continue to look at. And today we're going to look at Christian living. But before we get there, I just want to share a little nerdiness of some things that I found out. Um, How many of you know what this is? It's not a Black Bolt's headpiece, James and Andy. If you're, a, if you're a Marvel fan, if you know, you know. Okay, if you don't, it's okay. This is a what? Say it with me. It's a tuning fork. Yes, it's a tuning fork. And now, because we have apps on our phone that do the tuning or things, you don't see these too much anymore. But a tuning fork is something that you hit and it vibrates at a certain tone. Normally, they want that to to vibrate at 440 megahertz, which is concert A if you're a musician. That's going to help you because when you have a tuning fork, once concert A is tuned, so you, you hit the fork and you move it towards that A on the piano strings. And if you hear a warble, you know it's out of tune. And so you tighten it up. Until you hear the same, it's just a a clear, clear tone. Once concert A is tuned, then you can line up all the other 87 keys on the piano so that it's tuned to that concert A, which is tuned to that tuning fork. It's very, very useful and very, very helpful. You may not ever know this, and, but you, if you enjoyed a well-played piano, someone took the time to tune that, get everything aligned, and all the keys in tune with that one tuning fork. It's pretty incredible. 
But I told you I wanted to be a little nerdy today. Did you know that it's more than just tuning instruments? Did you know that tuning forks can be used to expose a bone fracture? Isn't that that's interesting? I, I had no idea about this. You can hit it, and let's say you, you, you feel like you, you hit your wrist really hard. You hit that, and you move it over that area. And if there's a sudden sear of pain, that vibrate, it's vibrating there, and you know something's fractured, and you need to go get an x-ray. If it's fine, then you know it's just a bruise, and, and you'll be okay. Put some ice on it. A little Advil. But it's amazing that that tuning fork can also be used to show where there's fractures underneath the skin. I just found that incredible. Did you know that tuning forks can also be used to test for hearing impairment? And it's not just ding, can you hear this? But like ding and you put it on the jaw and you can hear it. And then ding and they they put it by your ear. And if you hear it less time in your ear than you heard it when it was on your jaw, then you have some hearing impairment. And then they can do even more. They can ding it and put it on your skull and then figure out which one hears that tone stronger. And then they can tell which ear is more damaged. Isn't that incredible? I just thought, this is so cool. I knew nothing about this. For me, a tuning fork was just tuning an instrument. Or just have fun with it, you know, making noise and letting it, letting it hear. But these, this tuning fork is something that can align our life. It can show fractures. It can look and help us to understand how well we are hearing. Now, if there was ever a church that needed some alignment to be tuned up, it was the church in Corinth. And so I'm going to invite you in your Bibles to, to open them to 1 Corinthians But I want to tell you a little bit about the church in Corinth. Because I feel like the church in Corinth is very much like our church today. Corinth was a wealthy city. It wasn't quite as big or large as Rome. and But it was a large seaport. And so it was a wealthy center. It was a wealthy area. They had everything they needed. And it had all kinds of different ways of doing things. Ways of of doing life. And Paul went there on his, uh, on his missionary journeys. And Paul was able to found and start a church. It was probably a little house church. And it, they began to meet. And they began to, to do... And Paul spent some time there teaching them the ways of the faith. Teaching them how we believe. And then Paul moved on, probably to Ephesus, most scholars think. And they began to hear back that things were deteriorating. Things were getting out of tune at that church in Corinth. There was some struggle and there were some problems. It was getting so bad that Paul sent his second-in-command, Timothy, back to, to try and retrain, to try and reteach. There were some things that were taking on. I want you to see what some of these divisions and struggles were all about. The first one is they had a preference in preachers. They had a preference in preachers. They There were some that were all about Peter. You know, he was... The disciple of Jesus. You know, Jesus even told him, upon this rock, Petros, I will build my church. So, you know, they were rallying around Peter. There was a a guy who was evidently an excellent preacher by the name of Apollos. And he was around and, and he would preach and evidently he just knew how to bring the house down while preaching. And so there were those who were saying, I'm of Apollos. And then there were those who were like still loyal to Paul. 
And they were breaking up into factions of who they wanted and what they heard from various teachers. They were fractured around their preference in preachers. They were also fractured around piety. Piety issues, and you can read this. If you want to read uh, 1 Corinthians this week, you can. By chapter 8, you're going to see that they were wondering about piety. What are the do's and don'ts? I mean, we were told that we shouldn't eat meat that's sacrificed to idols, but we know that those idols are not the true God. And and we know that a lot of our market is there. And, And so how do we do this? What is the way that we do this? And some were doing one thing, and some were doing another, and it was leading to fracture. They were becoming untuned. Number three, in chapter 11, we see that they were entering into the politics of class. They were a very class-divided society. And one of the beautiful things about the church of that day, the thing that made it stand out, and the thing that either attracted people or repulsed them, was when they met together, no matter what class you were in, at the foot of the cross and at the table of the Lord, all were equal. And people who were masters would serve bread to those who were their servants or even their slaves. It was radically different. And yet in chapter 11, Paul begins to say, I'm hearing that when we come to the Lord's table, some of you are eating and drinking all the food and wine, and those who are poor are left at the margins. And he's very disturbed by this. They need to be retuned. They need their fractures examined. They need to hear more clearly. And finally, They were fractured around powerful experiences. That when they would meet for worship, there would be these these times where people would stand up and they would would speak out loud. And they said they were praising God, but it was in a language that no one knew. And, And it was creating some tension. And they were beginning to look at themselves as having the greater spiritual gift than than those of you who don't do this in the worship service. And and so there was a fracture that was going on as some were getting big heads, we would say today. And so Paul looks at all of these things, and and these aren't all of them. It was a very fractured church. (laughs) But Paul looks to them, and in each one he begins to say, and he comes up to where our passage will begin today, and he says, I want to show you a most excellent way. In fact, the Greek word there that I'll not teach you today, but it, it means it's the best. It's, it, it is the way. We sang about the way. This is what it looks like. And he begins. So if you have your Bibles, open them to 1 Corinthians 13. And I, wanted, I want to read the entire chapter. And most of you only hear this chapter when you go to weddings. Which is why I wanted to put this in its proper context for you. That Paul is not writing this to a young married couple who's so in love they can't even see the fractures of the relationships that will come six months later. He's writing this to a group of people who have become out of tune with the faith they were called into, that that has allowed this to fracture the bones of the body of Christ that they are called to be. And they are becoming hearing impaired to the will of the Spirit. And so Paul writes, let me show you this most excellent way. This is what it looks like. Hear the word of the Lord this morning. 
If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. And I want to use the Greek word here because we have different words for love. Agape is patient. Agape is kind. Agape does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrong. Agape does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Agape never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when perfection comes, the imperfect disappears. Like when I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish ways behind me. Now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I am known. And now these three remain. Faith, hope, and agape. But the greatest of these is agape. It's the Word of God for the people of God here and online. And our response is, thanks be to God. I want to make sure we understand what agape is. Agape, uh, there, there are many, we have one word for, for love. And it can mean a lot of different things. We can love pizza. We can love our spouse. And if you love your spouse like you love pizza, there's some problems. Greek folks had different words for love. There was eros, you know this, right? There was eros, that's the erotic love, the desiring love. There, there is uh, philos, or phileo, it is the brotherly, sisterly love. It's fellowship, it's where we get that word. It is that, that word of just being together. And then there is agape. And agape is that deep, sacrificial love. And is there a better definition than we have just heard of what deep, sacrificial love looks like? I want to put this in context of Scripture because this is the love. This is agape. For God so agaped the world that He gave His one and only Son. From John 3.16. It's, it's agape. God didn't just have great feelings, although I'm, I'm sure He had feelings towards us of love. But God had deep, sacrificial love for the world, so He gave us Jesus. This is the driving force that's described in our memorization challenge. This deep, sacrificial love 
that God displayed by not regarding equality with God, his status as God, as something to be used for his own benefit. But he emptied himself and humbled himself and became like us. And when he was in that form, he humbled himself even further and became a servant. And he wanted to show how far God was willing to go to express this agape. And he was willing to die on a cross for you and for me. This is agape. It really is the most excellent way that Paul wants the church to be attuned to, to be called to, to strive for. Agape is the love that properly orients all other loves and desires. It's not that eros and phileo and the other types of love are bad, but they need to be tuned to that deep, sacrificial love that is called agape. It really is the tuning fork for Christian living. You probably already see where I'm going with this, but, but let's go through it really quick just so we can. One, we, we learned that once concert A on an instrument is tuned properly, the rest of the notes can be correctly adjusted to that so that the whole instrument is in tune. And I'm here to tell you today, like that tuning fork, once our hearts are tuned to agape, all the other situations in our life can be brought in line. Our, our relationships, our families, our jobs, our politics, our beliefs, our understanding, all of that can then be tuned to the proper love that deep sacrificial love that we see embodied in Jesus and His service. All of that can happen. And Paul shows this throughout 1 Corinthians when they were worried about their different preferences for preachers. He says, hey guys, this is about the love of God being proclaimed. And it doesn't matter if it's Peter or Apollos or Paul. The goal is Jesus and His agape that He so loved the world. That's the focus. Get tuned back up to that. Stop with all your preferences. Move into that. When he's looking at piety, it's something that would make us really uncomfortable today. Because he says, well, it's going to depend on the situation as to how agape will respond. So if you're with someone who doesn't know the difference and they put meat in front of you and you're not sure if it's sacrificed to idols or not, go ahead and eat it. Don't say anything. But if you know that somebody else knows it and it's going to offend them and it's going to cause them to stumble, then refrain from eating. Because agape tunes all the other situations to what is going to show deep sacrificial love. We won't go through all the four that we looked at, but he continues over and over to call them back to be tuned, to have their hearts tuned to the deep sacrificial love of Jesus. Agape, again, it's that tuning fork of Christian living, but we learned it's not just about tuning an instrument. Tuning forks can also be used to expose a bone fracture. And agape can expose where our lives are fractured from Jesus' example. And so Paul calls them and says, I'm hearing that there's a fracture 
in the bone of the body of Christ. You all are the body of Christ. And some of you are eating and drinking at His table to the point that you're getting drunk on wine. And there's nothing left for those who are poor. That is not agape. Boom! He hits that. He moves it over the fracture. And there is some immediate pain that happens there. And so He calls them to remember what they were taught. That they were all called. And because of the sacrifice of Jesus that they are receiving in the body and the blood of Christ, that bread and that cup, everything has changed. And if you're wealthy, you have food enough in your home. Make sure, make sure, make sure your brothers and sisters out of agape love have all access to the Lord's table. It's the most important thing. Agape is that tuning fork, and we learned that it can be used to test for hearing impairment. And Paul takes that when it comes to those ones who had these gifts and were getting big egos around it because they said they were hearing from the Spirit, and yet they were seeing things that were showing an inflated head, not a warmed heart. Paul says, are you sure you're hearing from the Spirit. Because this is creating division. This is showing maybe a little hearing impairment of what Jesus is really saying to the church. And so he moves with that idea of agape back and forth. He's saying it's not bad to go after all the spiritual gifts, but I have to show you the most excellent way. And that's our passage. Folks, I'm not the Apostle Paul. You know that. But I am your pastor, and I have been your pastor for almost 14 years now. And I want to let you know that I, I have some pastoral fears for the church today. Some of them are the wider church at large, but some of them are for us, too. And so today, I feel like this passage hits the tuning fork. And needs to be passed over some of these things here for us today. So I just want to share a little bit from my heart. And hope you'll receive the letter better than the Corinthians did for Paul. I'm afraid that sometimes our hearts are growing out of, a, out of tune with the agape love that we see modeled in Jesus and we heard Paul describe today. I begin, I, I'm beginning to see this in, in some ways, and I'm beginning to wonder, I'm afraid that we are exchanging the power of this kind of love for the love of power. And I'm nervous about that. Because power is so seductive. And yet this kind of love is what we are called to. It is the pitch. It is the tone by which all the rest of our life will make sense. And it is powerful. It cleanses. It heals. It challenges. It changes. It moves us from self-centered living to deep, sacrificial love. And that is what will change the world. And I'm afraid that we are exchanging or beginning to exchange the power of that kind of love Because we love power. And power will not bring the kingdom of God. 
The kingdom of God is found in agape. Can you hear the tone this morning? But it's not just there. I I want us to see, because Paul would say to those who are in love with power, if I speak in the tongues of men and angels, talk about power. Being able to speak so well as a person, as in human language, and even being able to speak with the tongues of angels, talk about power. And Paul says, but if you don't have agape, it's just a gong or a symbol. Symbols are okay when it's in rhythm. But if somebody's just banging on a symbol all the time, it gets annoying. And I'm afraid sometimes in our exchange of the power of love for the love of power, we are becoming just a gong or a symbol that is being hit over and over and over and over again, folks. Can you hear the tuning of agape love this morning? But it's not just there. I'm also afraid that we are exchanging the certainty of this agape love for the love of certainty. That we just like to be certain about everything. And so I'm going to memorize some facts. I'm going to know what I believe. I'm going to know how I'm supposed to say it word for word. I'm going to know how I'm supposed to live. I'm going to know how I'm not, I'm supposed to eat and not eat or, or do this or don't do that. I'm going to know how I'm supposed to vote. And I just want to be certain about all of that. And folks, I'm afraid sometimes we're not realizing that we are exchanging The certainty of the love of Jesus, the love of God, the agape that so loved us that He sent His one and only Son that we who believe in Him might have eternal life. We're losing that because we are loving being certain about everything. And we can even use something like the Bible to try and make us certain. The Bible is meant to make you certain of one thing. God loved the world. God loves you with a deep, abiding, sacrificial love. And He calls you in that love to go and be announcers of that love to others in the world. That's the only thing we are called to be certain of. And you can be today. You can. But it means we have to give up the love of certainty. And that's hard for us in our day. Paul says, if I have the gift of prophecy, and listen to this, talk about certain, if I can fathom all mysteries. How many mysteries? All of them. That means there's not one mystery I don't understand. If I can have all knowledge, how much knowledge? All knowledge. Talk about a brainiac. And if I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have agape... I am what? Say it with me. Nothing. That's pretty strong. Can you hear the tuning fork? Is it passing over a fracture in who you are? Have we exchanged the certainty of love for the love of certainty, folks? One last one. I'm afraid that sometimes we're exchanging the riches of right relationship with God and with others for the poverty of being right. And if I can just type the right words, 
into my Facebook account to that person who believes something different than what I believe, they will be absolutely informed and they will turn to my opinion. Never is going to happen. It will never happen. Folks, we are called to remember. And Paul says, when agape is embodied, it is patient. It is kind. The the patient, the the literal Greek word there means it is long-suffering. How many of you can say my life embodies long-suffering with my kids? I hope our our student leaders will be long-suffering this week. Not that you're going to suffer, but that you're going to be patient. Paul moves us in to this. He, he hits the tuning fork, moves it over, and we are called to see what we can... I, I know church today, I know in my life, I know in our life together, we still need to be shown and called back to the most excellent way of agape love. And we are not going to find it in power. We are not going to find it in certainty. You are not going to find it in being right. You are only going to find it in Jesus Christ. And it will look just like Paul described agape love today. And that's where I am always going to call us. And so as we close, I I want to say, is your heart attuned to agape? If... If we could literally have a tuning fork for agape and hit it and pass it over your body or over your relationships, would anyone begin to scream out in pain? Because it's different. It's, it's operating at a different frequency than agape love. What situations in your life need to be retuned once you hear the tone of what the love of Jesus really looks like? Are there fractures that need healing in relationships, in, in the way you think, in, in, the, in the things that you operate, the ways you, you go about your everyday life? What needs healing? Are we growing deaf? Are you growing deaf to the voice of Jesus? that is constantly going to call you to look like Him, the One who embodied agape and was willing to die in service for the world that God so loves, so agapes. If I were to boil all of this down and you capture nothing else that I've said today, I want you to know that Christian living is absolutely equal to nothing more and certainly nothing less than Christ-like loving. Christian living is Christ-like loving. Period. And so if the tuning fork is showing some differences, there's some warbles in the frequency, you're feeling some pain, or you're wondering if you're still hearing correctly. I love what my friend Perry always talked about when he talks about this, when we, when we notice that difference. He says, this is my prayer life in the morning. I look at Jesus, and anything in my life that is different than his life, that's where I begin confessing. Isn't that beautiful? Simple. 
That's, that's tuning my life, the rest of the notes, all the things in my life. That's attuning them to the note of agape. And so today, my friends, my church, my brothers, my sisters, are you hearing agape love once again? Remember, these three things remain. Faith, hope, and love. Agape. But the greatest of these is agape. What you believe, if it's not lived through agape, it's not important. Your hope, even the hope of heaven at the end of all things, if it doesn't work itself out in agape love in your world, nah, it needs tuned. We're called today, folks. The tuning fork has been struck. It's modeling the love that Jesus showed. It's modeling what we who call ourselves disciples are called to tune our lives to. The other good thing about a tuning fork is you can't, you can't tune it to something else. You can't say, well, ding. Oh, I don't like that. So I'm going to, there's, there's no, there's no knobs on a tuning fork. It's going to hit that note and that note and that note and that note. And I want to tell you today, folks, you know, you've heard me in 13 and a half years. This is the note. Is this going to be the year? Is this going to be the season that we now tune our church, tune our hearts, tune our lives, tune our families, tune our jobs, tune everything about us, our desires and all other love to the agape love that Jesus showed to you and me when He said, Come and forgave and healed and moved us out. It's the only thing that will change the world. Of that, I am convinced. Are you? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I've heard when that tuning fork moves over a fracture, it hurts. And so I know, as I studied this week, I had some ouch moments where I was hurting because I realized that something was broken in me. I'm so grateful that you're the one who heals, who's merciful and forgives, invites me to to tune the heartstrings of my life to your agape love. And so I realize that as I talked about this agape love and the ways that I'm seeing as a pastor that we may be untuning from it, I know it may hurt some of my brothers and sisters here today and those who are watching online. So, Father, may we hear that tone and may we hear it with the love that it's intended to have. May we hear the invitation to healing. May 
we hear the invitation to tune our lives to your love, to live in it, to be absolutely certain of it. It's power, it's strength, it's hope. Call us, like my friend Perry says, to look to you and whatever's different, just confess it. And so I invite you, my friends, here and online, to take just a moment right now before we go. Is there anything in your life that you would say is out of tune with the agape love that you've heard today? Maybe it happened trying to cram kids into a car today and get them dressed and, and there's a fracture there and you, you need to make that right. Maybe it's a habit. Maybe it's a pattern. Maybe it's your Facebook account or Twitter or Instagram or any number of social medias. Whatever it is, Jesus is inviting you to tune that. Just confess that today. Lord Jesus, as people hear that, may they sense your agape love coming and healing, forgiving, cleansing. I pray they would leave here with renewed energy, ready to have their lives tuned to your love. For we pray and we ask all these things in your name. And everyone said, Amen. Would you stand and receive this blessing before you go? If you see a student out in the lobby, make sure you tell them that you're praying for them. Okay? Do that this today. Support them. Remember them in your prayers this week. And now, my brothers and sisters, may you hear every moment and every minute the tuning fork of the agape love of Jesus Christ. May it guide you. May it center you. May it heal and forgive you. May it expose broken places and invite you to see them mended. I pray that you would go in the certainty of this love for you and for everyone you encounter. And may you dare to proclaim the great love of God, which is the most excellent way. It is the way. It is the truth. And it leads to life. I pray this in the name of the Father who is for us and in the name of the Son who is with us in the name of the Spirit who is in us. One God forever and ever. Amen. God bless you. Go in His name and His love. Thank you for joining us online. We hope you have a great week and we'll see you next week as we wrap up this series together. Have a great afternoon. Thank you for tuning in to Cross Communities Podcast. We hope you will join us next week.